Down and down again. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't find her. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. This. <clears throat> wow, okay. We're starting off that way, I guess, huh? Um. <laughs> this was the first day. I want to say since 2000. Where I've watched eight straight hours of wrestling. And for those of you who don't know, in 2000, WWE tried this thing where it was WrestleMania all day. So legitimately, it was like how they do the Super Bowl or anything like that. Mainly the Super Bowl where it's like coverage from every, you still have the Fox coverage, you still have NBC. No matter who's showing it, you still have coverage until you get to the big game, which is usually like a 10-hour uh, preview before the game. And so, um, hold on one second, let me finish the text message before I get my thought out. There we go. So, I remember watching it, and I remember, at that time, I was such a wrestling fan, and FOMO, and all this stuff, that I, any any minute of wrestling I missed, I felt like I missed out on something, even if it wasn't good. And so, watching it all day, I, it was it was actually probably longer than eight hours, but, all, all, but I, I wasn't actually able to watch WrestleMania, so I want to say that's why it capped at eight hours, because... My friend was recording it, or an acquaintance I knew was recording it, WrestleMania, and I only had access to the first part of it, and then he was going to like be like leaving. His mom was like, well, no, we're leaving, and we're already letting them watch it, and blah, blah, blah. So I ended up giving me a tape the next day, so I watched it. Um, but I believe that was like eight or nine hours of wrestling. So today I got up knowing what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to do it or not, because I was like, ah. Once again, Worlds Collide wasn't something that was on my radar. Like, I, I thought, like, a Ricochet-Carmelo Hayes match would be good. Braun Breaker, um, Tyler Bate. But it wasn't must-watch TV for me, right? Like, I was more interested in the booking decisions than the actual wrestling. Because I'm just not a fan of NXT 2.0 because it's so developmental. Like, to me, for, for everything we could say about early ROH, about development, it wasn't really developmental. This is developmental. So a lot of the times it's like I don't mind getting to know people, but I want to get to know them under a different branch than it is. Like that's why it's hard for me to watch Dark sometimes. It's under the same branch that we're getting AEW talent. So sometimes it could be a good thing, sometimes it could be a bad thing. But like for me, it's a bad thing mainly because look at Braun Breaker. Like he, like the only time I've actually been interested in any of his matches is when he's wrestling vets, because his matches with Grayson Waller or uh, JD McDonough, I just don't care about. And if you look at his title rent, it's mm, it's mediocre only because it's developmental and it's clearly developmental, right? Like, so he can have a Samoa Joe type of ring with his, uh, when I say Samoa Joe, I mean like ROH Samoa Joe, with this. And the, his, the, his antagonists have not been that intriguing. So the booking is also developmental, if that makes sense. So, and this weekend I was pretty, I felt good. 
because I said, you know, hey, the, I'm looking forward to All Out. Then I'm looking forward to Clash of the Castle. And, and I feel like in that order, I feel like I was good. Um, we're going to get to All Out in a second. We're going to hit NXT Worlds Collide first. But yeah, I, I, I started watching Worlds Collide. I was like, you know what? I, mean, I, might, I might just take a nap. But I said, you know what? F it. I'll stay up. And so um, I ended up just watching it all and then I, le- I legit finished i think nxt worlds collide ended at like at 420 415 420 i got in my car went right to the movie theater i already paid for my ticket oh uh, by the time i got settled in i believe it was like 455 and then we immediately go into zero hour and that's next five hours that's why i was like legitimately i'm not even gonna like schedule this podcast because it's 11 o'clock where i am right now so legitimately I, once i'm done recording it's probably gonna be like 11 40 or 40, I'm, it's the next fucking day, you guys can just have it, you know, but it was two interesting shows, All Out was, let's just, let's get to that in a second, because I, I, I'm still processing everything that happened in All Out, so NXT Worlds Collide started with Ricochet versus Carmelo Hayes, Carmelo Hayes got the victory by a roll-up, I thought this was a good match, this was a, a great opener, um, I thought it was what I expected. Once again, the WWE stuff, I didn't look forward to because the booking was pre- predictable outside of the main event Clash of the Castle, like I kept saying yesterday, which is not a bad thing. I just, for me personally, to not have any build, it was, and we had the best match of the day, maybe of the weekend, with no build. And boy, oh boy, did that steal the show and steal the breath out of that fucking building in Chicago. But I felt like just seeing Ricochet show, Ricochet show up. No, I want to know through American Child Shot. I'm a former champion. Okay. <laughs> you know, just like really weird. But this was a good match. I truly believe in my heart of hearts. When Hayes gets called up next year or whenever, they can have a feud for the Intercontinental title and it will be 10 times better. I truly believe that. I just, that's just me. But this, was, this wasn't bad. Then we go to the back where the most dangerous place in the WWE universe is the NXT parking lot. Roderick Strong was laid out. I truly believe Roderick Strong actually has a legitimate injury as well. I believe someone told me that. A little birdie told me that. I believe he has a legitimate injury. But this actually fit into the bigger storyline. So, um, I can't remember her name, but the woman with the braids, who's a part of Diamond Mine, went in the ambulance with them. And so they're gone. So now you have the fail forward match for the NXT UK champ, Tag Team Championships and the NXT Tag Titles to unify them. You have Briggs and Jensen. You have two members of Gallus. You have Diamond Mine, which is the Creed Brothers. And then you have Pretty Deadly. I think I predicted Pretty Deadly. Well, this this went interesting because essentially Diamond Mine got turned on. Austin Creed, uh, not Austin Creed, listen to me, the Creed Brothers got turned on. It seems like the person that screwed them over was Gable Stevenson's brother, who turned heel, hitting them, hitting, hitting the Creed Brothers with a chair. Probably he's the one who beat up Roddy. He had to be the one to beat up, beat up Roddy. Pretty Deadly then unites the tag team titles. And look, look at that. They came from the UK with their NXT tag team championships. Lost them. Now they unified them. I think this can be an act that actually goes on to the main roster intact. Even if Vince McMahon was around, I think that the, the act is character-driven enough. To where it would last on the main roster. Then we had, to me, the surprise of the day. For me, the surprise of the day. Where Satamora, the NXT UK champion, women's champion, 
defending against Mandy Rose, the NXT Women's Champion, with a 313-day reign. I didn't realize she had the belts for that long. Against Blair Davenport. My pick was Davenport. I thought that's why she put her in, but they put her in to take the pin. For the first time in a long time, I can't remember the last time I yelled out loud at home over something I saw in wrestling because I was so shocked off it. Um, this was a good triple threat match. I actually enjoyed this triple threat match, and Mandy Rose is actually having the like run of her career. I would have never saw this. Somehow they were able to repackage Mandy Rose without repackaging her, keeping her sexy, keeping her um, just uh, amazingly good with, with her improvement, though. Like, I don't know whose idea this was, but it turned out to be good because I felt like she was getting better on the main roster, but she still wasn't there. And then they send her back to the NXT for whatever reason. And once again, she's not the best. She's not, but she's definitely gotten better. And to me, she couldn't have had a triple threat match like this a year ago, two years ago. No way. But her, I think she, I think she just needs to be back in de- developmental to get better. But like this triple threat match was really good. I thought the woman did great here. And here's what happened. Towards the end of the match, Samora hits her high-low high, high kick. Boom. And then I see her and Blair like in this in this position, and I see where the camera's pan. And I yell out loud, say, oh, my God, Mandy Rose is about to... My exact words. Oh, my God, Mandy Rose is about to unify the, tie, um, unify the women's championships. Next thing you know, I know... Next thing you know, I look at Samora's eyes. Samora's eyes get big. And you see the running knee, the finish of Manny Rose, nailing both of them. She pins Davenport and unites the championship. So, not saying she doesn't deserve it. But one, I, in my opinion, this obviously has to mean that Sam Moore was not going to be moving, <clears throat> excuse me, be moving to the States anytime soon. Um, that's why I believe they really, really start pushing Walters. Once he said, hey, I wasn't willing to, <clears throat> excuse me, um... I wasn't willing to move to the states. Now I am. Now then he got into some into much better shape and and he was already in good shape. But now he's got into much better shape and um, now he's gonna be he's gonna be a world champion one day. But like I'm assuming that's what part of this was what that was. But like that was a surprise that day to me. But this was a good triple threat match. I really enjoyed it and honestly I don't know who Mandy loses this championship to. But now that they're uniting the the brands essentially. I almost it was I would assume. It would be one of the new challenges. I mean, it could be Alba Fire, if we're being honest. Like, I know Alba Fire is currently in a feud, but I mean, I, I can see she had what the longest reign in NXT Women's UK. And woman, see, I hate having to say extra shit because like I already can't use English proper. So the NXT Women's UK Championship. See, I'm always saying it backwards anyway. So it could be her, but this also keeps toxic attraction. First of all, toxic attraction. I wouldn't be surprised if they got moved up to the main roster together as an act because they, they just fit. They just they just fit and they can turn on each other eventually. That's fine. But they they just fit. And then in another slap together match, you had Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. challenging for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, mainly because NXT UK didn't have women's tag team championships. Uh, they Carter and Chance won. When Toxic Attraction came out, Nikki Ash ends up fighting fighting them off, but they came out just as a distraction because they want Carter and Chance for themselves, and um, so that's nothing really special happening. But, oh, actually, Dewdrop twerked in this match, making fun of uh, uh, Ch- uh, not Chance, um, fucking Carter. 
I couldn't stop fucking laughing. I was dead. It was hilarious to me. I don't know why it was so hilarious, but it was hilarious to me. And I laughed several fucking times. Just maybe it's the petty in me. Who fucking knows? But anyways, this was what it was. And then finally, Braun Breaker united, unified the NXT UK Championship and the NXT Championship. So that is your NXT World's Collide. It was it was a good show, you know. Um, doesn't really... Doesn't get me going to where it's like I have to watch NXT all the time. I, I, I don't already. I watch, I truly, that's speaking of a show I watch. <laughs> and like I watch what I want to watch. That is the definition of that. I only watch certain matches, certain things. I know the loop, I'm in the loop, but it's really not anything special. So um, let's move on to the All Out pay per view. This is the first time I think I've been able to catch an all-out pay-per-view from zero hour to the final second of pay-per-view time. Um, we start off with we start off hot. We start off with Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello doing an interview. All of a sudden, you hear horn honking, and then they walk to the back saying, "Who's interrupting our interview?" All of a sudden, you see Ruby and Ortiz. They drive and or and Sammy, like a good man, a good husband, he pushes Ty out the way. He gets nailed with the golf cart. This leads into our Triple A mixed tag team championship match where Ruby Soho ends up taking the pin here and getting a broken nose. You knew something was wrong because when Ty hit her with the, her finish, she was holding her nose the entire time to the point where like her shoulder wasn't even down and made the uh, finish awkward because her shoulder was up and like and, and Sammy Guevara like and Ortiz had to hold up on like pretending like someone was holding him back and you knew just she you knew she was injured. It came came out later on. That she had a broken nose, um, so uh, heal up quickly. Um, but they take the loss, and Sammy and Ty keep the, their AAA mixed tag team championships. And another championship match: you Hook, who had Action Bronson in the ring. Uh, the guy who sings, the person who I said sing, the person who raps his uh, theme song, and he ends up defeating Angelo Parker. And they hooked the style match pretty quick. They get uh, JAS ends up attacking Hook afterwards. Action Bronson comes in, throws them around, picks up the FTW Championship, gets a little crowd going there. Pac went against Kip Sabian in his first All-Atlantic Championship match defense in the States, which I did not realize that. This was his fourth defense. None happened in the States, which is the point of this championship. Um, I thought Pac gave him a little too much. Um, no disrespect to Kip Sabian, but... With all disrespect to Kate Sivian. But this was just a way of putting a highlight on this All-Atlantic Championship to say, do not forget about it. And I, I promise you, this is going to sound this is gonna sound as weird as it's supposed to sound. Pac just looks good with gold around his waist, around his shoulder. It makes his demeanor so much better. Like, he, he already has this badass look. He talks, like, whatever. It's just, this is a great feeling. Anyways, at the end of the match... Thomas Jermaine is about to interview Pac. All of a sudden, you hear Orange Cassie's music. And before Cassie can even get to where Pac is on the where the camera, Pac says, no. I love this. Because so many more people should just be like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to give you a championship match. I don't have to give you any time. I can just walk away and be good. And he said, we've been there before. We know how this ends. 
You're not a wrestler. You're a joke. And he walked away. And then later on in All Out, because I was like curious, because like they ended up announcing that there's going to be an interview, right? Between um, Death Triangle and the Best Friends. So I was like, okay. But then as Zero Hour was coming to an end, I was like, well, this must going to happen on Friday. I mean, excuse me, on Wednesday. Ended up happening on All Out, the show. And Pac did not want to, he didn't give anyone any time. He just, he just said, no, this is what happens. We're leaving. It sets up a Death Triangle versus Orange Cassidy and Best Friends uh, match on Wednesday, um, along with the Pure Championship and Daniel Garcia versus uh, Wheeler Yuta. So um, I think that was a, a great end to that. But I definitely thought he gave Kip Sabian away too much. Kip Sabian did end up like talking to the box now. Uh, I don't know where that's going. I don't really care, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I just don't care. If I'm being honest with you, I just don't care. Um, Eddie Kingston beat Ishii in a great match. These two legitimately were Chop City. I want to say their first wrestling move didn't happen, which I think was a suplex or a body slam. Didn't happen until, I think it was like seven minutes into the match. These two beat the hell out of each other to where like the right arm of Ishii had veins popping out of it. It was fucking just brutal. These two beat the hell out of each other. Uh, there's going to be an Ishii Kingston 3. We know this. Um, at the end, A. Kingston was trying to like have everyone cheer for Ishii. Ishii didn't want no part of it. He just wanted to walk away. Um, but this was this was a great match and a great way to end Zero Hour. I thought that was just awesome. Now let's get to the all-out pay-per-view. A casino liar match. We started off with, and my, my pick was the Joker, because there's no, dude, you look at the seven people that were already announced for it, four of them were just going to be in agreement to kill each other. Two of them have ROH titles, so they need to be alive to be on ROH television, because apparently they're close to a deal with somebody. And then you have Dante Martin. No disrespect to him. He's not winning a casino ladder match at all out. If this was like a random dynamite where, they're, hey, we have a special battle royal or something like i could see someone like dante martin win because he's getting these good looks like he has faced uh he's had a not necessarily a w championship match but he faced hangman adam page when hangman was world champion not for the title but he fought him you know so he's being put in these positions and i feel like he's being put in like the shelton benjamin positions to where like he's gonna have chances to shine he just has to go out there and do it right and i could see it being things like back in when Shelton Benjamin was getting a a really like interesting push. I say interesting because he had pin triple H one week clean after a roll up. He faced him the next week, barely lost. And then like he was this was and then like he just was like he was so consistent. And like I, I, I could see Dante Martin being the guy who like has a TNT title and like he just is consistent. And there's nothing wrong with that either. You know? Anyway, so to start off with Ray Phoenix and Yuta Wheeler. Then Roosh came out and Andrade came out. First of all these two are idiots. That needs to be said how dumb these motherfuckers are. So Yuta has to hold up and pretend like he's not going to move, like he's tired already. Because it's only been two fucking minutes. Because Roosh is literally not running to the ring to stop this motherfucker from getting up the ladder. I was like, why? What? And the, and the, and the camera finally stopped panning back for like a second. Because I was like, are you going to run, motherfucker? Or what you going to do? It was just like the weirdest thing how they still had a full in. These two decided to have a full fucking entrance during a ladder match that can end at any fucking time. Like, what are we doing here? And like, why are we like doing that here? I don't. 
That's so fucking stupid. It was, it was weird. Anyways, so then Claudio comes out. Then Dante Martin comes out. Then Penta comes out. Then all of a sudden, you have Max Men. And honestly, the first thing I thought of, and this is going to sound so fucking horrible because AEW's never done anything to me personally for me to feel this way. But I saw Max Men come out, beating down everybody. And my first thought was, no, not aces and eights. No, no. I was terrified they were going to do this. Then I seen an arm, then I seen a, a short person climb up the ladder. I was like, what? Then I was like looking at the scales, like a black short person. I was like, not Leo Rush. Like, did they re- like what's happening? They pull down, they pull down the uh, the chip. Mask comes off. It's Stokely, and then his group takes off their mask. I'm like, okay, you got my attention, but the bell can't ring because the Joker isn't out yet officially. And so I'm like, well, this is kind of what they've been building up. He's you no. Know, he, he has his team in place. Then all of a sudden, you see someone walk out. The Joker, the Joker walks out with the clear MJF walk, and I, I think it's a Rolling Stone song, which I think, I think MJF has used on the Indies before. I didn't put that part together. I only put together his walk because I was like, okay, that has to be um, not I'm cool, um, MJF's walk. But I said, you never know. Well, I did like the confusion on Justin Roberts when he said, "You're a winner, the Joker." It was so anticlimactic, but it was like, okay, this is this is interesting. Like, why wouldn't someone do this? If you think about this logically, after we just saw illogical shit in the ladder match, why wouldn't someone pay some goons to beat everyone fucking down and then not even have to climb a fucking ladder? Just get handed the chip. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in a ladder match before. Have we? I haven't. We've seen Brock run out at the very last second and push off Mustafa Ali. Otherwise, we haven't seen someone just... That still took work. MJF had to do no work. Spoiler alert, because it was MJF. But I don't think we've ever seen that before. So, anyways, the Joker is the winner. Moving on. The Trios Tournament ends tonight. We have the Elite versus the Dark Order and Hangman Adam Page. Um... This is going to lead to a falling out between the Dark Order. Because they were hungry here. And Hangman just got in their fucking way. Like, he was trying to play both sides and be cool. No one else was having that but Hangman. The Bucks weren't having that. Omega wasn't. I mean, I think Nick. Not Nick. Uh, no, it was Nick. I think Nick Jackson actually shook his hand. But, like, Matt wasn't having it. Omega wasn't having it. Dark Order was. They all want those championships. And when Matt tagged in Kenny Omega the first time, the place went fucking crazy. Because the last time we saw these two in the ring together, they were putting on uh, a great match where Hangman got the torch passed to him from Omega. Later on in the match, we ended up tagging themselves in, essentially, because both legal members were down. We was like, you gotta go, you gotta go. They legit looked at each other, took their prospective partners, dragged them to their corner and tagged in great chemistry right here this is going to lead to hangman but i can see it's leading to a dark order heel turning heel on hangman and then the, the elite fully being reunited again i could see this being a thing because hangman cost him the match yeah he accidentally like he, literally and figuratively because he accidentally hit um john silver with the buckshot lariat and that's how Omega got the pin but like he was too neutral here and it cost him the championships if he would let them do what they wanted to do, it wouldn't have been a fucking issue. But Hangman was way too neutral here, and this cost the Dark Order uh, a championship gold. 
and Excalibur smartly brought up they're the only they were the only ones in that match that had never held AEW gold. Heyman's a former tag team champion, former world heavyweight champion. Omega's now the current trios champion, former tag team champion, former world champion, and Bucks were former tag team champions. So that was good points that they made. Up next, Athena against Jade. I, I like Athena's wings after they got destroyed by Jade. But Jade came out as She-Hulk. I thought she looked badass in this look. It was pretty cool. Um, this match wasn't given a lot of time. It was like three or four matches that weren't given a lot of time. Um, this match wasn't given a lot of time. I thought when they, I thought they showed glimpses of good chemistry here. I would like to see maybe a ten minute, eleven minute match between these two, not necessarily a six minute match between these two. Uh, Jade gets the win. I, I, I'm gonna say the same thing I said about Athena. I said about Drew McIntyre. It would have been anticlimactic. In fairness to Drew, they built this up more. But Athena just wasn't built up enough because they put their eggs in the Statlander basket, which was fair. They should have. Um, I don't know who beats. I don't know who beats her. But after watching this, I now can say it wouldn't be anticlimactic if they gave him 10, 11 minutes and Athena could come out on top. I can now see her doing it because they show glimpses of good chemistry. If even if you don't like women's wrestling or whatever, they show that they can collide together very well. But Jay gets the win. She goes a 37 and 0. In another trios match, FTR and Warlow defeated the Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal. This was, I, I honestly, this was good. This was fun. You had Dax's daughter coming out. And after his promo, you had Sanjay Dutt making fun of her with a shirt thing, uh, talk or whatever it was, like an eight year old brat. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was a good match. That was a fun match. Warlow pins Jay Lethal. Um, and Dutt ends up getting beat down, and then he ends up getting pinned by Dax's Dar. That's all good. Only thing this did was make me want to see the Motor City Machine Guns, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, one of the most underrated tag teams of all time. In fairness, they've been mainly in ROH and Impact most of their, if not all their career. I don't think they've ever been in WWE before, not that I can recall. And if you think about it, they don't really have the accolades to match up. As far as like, you know, sometimes you have like. A, you might have a, a tag team chamber like three or four. I think, for God's sakes, Kofi Kingston is a eight time or no, excuse me, a twelve time tag team champion. He's a solo artist, right? Most machine guns, I believe, are only like a two time Impact tag team champions. I believe they're only a two time. Now I don't know how many times they won NWA tag team championships, but like they don't have like they've had such an interesting career to where like they're so underappreciated. But it's because. <sighs> Not many people talked about the tag team division in TNA. It, from the people I know, it was usually the X division. And then it became the heavyweight division. And then it became whatever the fuck it became under Dixie Carter. Um, but the only thing this made me want to do is see the Morrissey Machine Guns against fucking Dax and uh, Cash. That's it. Um, Samoa Joe ended up making his return. He got busted open somehow. Um... And he, he came out and was and he's still feuding with these guys as well. Um, I think I believe he had voiceover work or something. He had like a, a, a another gig and that just wrapped up. But it's good to see Samoa Joe back. And next match you had rookie Starks versus Powerhouse House and another very short, decisive win match where uh, rookie Starks was moving fast as shit. I didn't realize he was this fast. He ran so fast he ran to a spine buster and a clean pin from Hobbs, which was. Super shocking how decisive it was, 
but I think it set the tone for Powerhouse Hobbs' solo career. Um, and this feud's not over, clearly. Next, the match tonight. And the match that was just slapped fucking together. And no one was excited by it. I think everyone knew the acclaimed in Chicago would be more over than Swerve and uh, Keith Lee. And they had been cutting some really good promos on each other. And I wrote something down in my notes that said, if you think Swerve and Lee can't be heels, you're wrong. I pretty much assumed that once the match got started, they would turn heel as far as like just for this particular night. And this was the match of the night. This match was this match. This was the match of the night so much. This took the energy out of the crowd, in my opinion, until the main event. They didn't. The, the crowd didn't know what they. They would come alive at certain points, but after this, they had nothing. These four men took them on a journey. And at first, you had Lee and Swerve playing. Well, we're gonna play babyface still, and then they just went full heel. And it played into the it played into the crowd. They were mocking the scissors, mocking Billy Gunn with the DX chance. They, for people who think AEW is nothing but a bunch of old ex WWE guys, this is why you have guys like free because this is why you have free agents like Keith Lee and Swerve. That I came and say Swerve is a NXT or a WWE guy because I got to know Swerve from his MLW Championship days, his Lucha Underground days, before. He was in WWE, but these guys gave the acclaim the best. These uh, the acclaimed are right. They're best homegrown tag team. They have the most wins in AEW history than anybody because they've been wrestling on dark to whatever. They gave them their best match. They put them over. They made them look like a million bucks. And now when these two teams face again, probably in three months or so at the next pay per view or two months or whatever, they will win those AEW World Tag Team Championships because they're ready now. But by far, this was their best match. This was the match of the night. And in my opinion, this made me say this was the match of the weekend. Gunther and Walter was after that. This just replaced Walter and Gunther. And and it was just like, whoa. And I didn't see it coming. I First of all, seeing Jay Lethal. You guys know my love for Jay Lethal. Seeing Jay Lethal in All Out. The biggest car of the year. Seeing Swerve and Keith Lee in the tag team championship match where they're defending the titles on All Out, made my night. And I loved how, I think it was Dave Meltzer who reported that the reason why they were teasing a breakup with these two is because they wanted to do the Shaq and Kobe thing. I loved how they had miscommunication galore with these two. And they still got the win because they're that good of a tag team. I loved it. And Swerve is going to be the ultimate heel when these two break up, because he's going because he's he's the one who's like nah I'm for I'm not for like you see how Keith is trying to be calm and give advice and shake their hands and Swerve's like nah I'm tired of these motherfuckers we gave them we gave them this opportunity because they didn't deserve it they were number four in the fucking rankings and they should drop even more now that they've lost clean doesn't matter they lost clean they lost. But this was the match of the night. I will definitely go back and watch this match over and over again. I enjoyed it so much. And they got a lot of time, too. But they put them over in a big way. Next up, the new interim women's champion will be crowned. As we had Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, and Hikaru Shida going for that interim championship since Thunder Rose is out. Uh, Jamie Hayter had a lot of support here. Um, I also loved how when 
Uh, Britt Baker curb stomped. Sheeta on the outside, like up the ramp. Ref was like, what are you doing? Get back in the ring. I said, what are you going to do about it? And she starts mocking the ref. And I was like, this is marry me, please. That's fucking hilarious. Because what what was he thinking? Why, sh- Dude, it's a no-holds-barred match. I've never heard of a fatal four-way match with fucking rules. Never. And then Sheeta comes back out with two kendo sticks. He says nothing. He lets her beat the fuck out of both of them. It was whatever. Anyways, we are seeing the the, the beginning of the breakup of Hater and Britt when Britt showed her real colors after Hater had the match won. Britt pulled the referee out. Then Britt tries to pin Jamie. And in the end, Tony Storm pins Jamie Hater and gets her first world championship since I believe her NXT UK days when she defeated Rhea Ripley. But um, this was very emotional for her. This is always going to be the outcome anyway. And now we're going to see her versus Thunder Rosa in the match that we were deprived. And um, she will unify the championships, that's for sure. Up next, Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Christian. This wasn't the match. This was a fuck over. So Jungle Boy comes out and like he puts his finger up. He says one. And like, he's looking. I thought he was clear. He was clear. He was looking for Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus is behind him. Luchasaurus grabs him by the throat, choke slams him on the grate outside. Then he leaves. Luchasaurus leaves. People are trying to help him. Every day. Then Luchasaurus comes back out, grabs him. Christian starts beating him up. Christian says, put him through the table. He puts Jungle Boy through the table, throws him in the ring. Our Aubrey, the ref, says, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And he says, I ring the bell. He gets hit with a spear. He kicks out. He gets hit with the kill switch. One, two, three. This match was probably 45 seconds, maybe, once it officially got started. Um, I wonder, he like, is he trying to beat Big Show's uh, record for heel turn, heel turn, baby turn? I'm going to assume something's happened since that time. And I'm going to assume Luchasaurus is being blackmailed or something. Something's happened that we don't know. We're missing a big part of this story here. And this obviously isn't the end. This is far from the end. This wasn't the match. This was a fuck over. And so uh, Christian did get slapped by Jungle Boy's mom, but in the end, he got the last laugh. So um, there's way more to this, obviously. Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson, who completely slowed the night down, had a wrestling match. This was a great wrestling match, which ends when Jericho hits the low blow on the Judas effect to get the pin. So no Daniel Garcia interference, but Daniel Garcia also did not um, interfere either and didn't celebrate with Jericho. And Jericho approached him about it and said, why didn't you celebrate with us? He said, well, you cheated. You didn't have to cheat. But that, and he said, you let me down. So then Jericho said, when you have your ROH Pure Championship match, you have to do without us, which I think he's going to do without them. Um, but this adds more layer to the story. So this is going a different way than I thought it was going to go. So I'm, I'm still interested. But this was a good, good match to where now Brian Danson says, you can't beat me fair. You never beat me fair. You cheated. So this might be a rematch at Grand Slam later this month. We had Sting, Miro, and Darby versus the uh, the House of Black. Um, two of the names that have been announced as people who want to leave are Miro and Aleister Black or Malachi Black. And um, this was fun. You know, it was uh, the winner was predictable. The outcome wasn't it was, the the winner was predictable to me, but the way it was won. Malachi Black looks to be going for uh, the, his finisher, the kick. And all of a sudden, he turns around and Sting spits mist in his face. Darby gets the pin. Miro does not celebrate with them. But um, 
a tough loss for House of Black. Only the second loss in Trio's um, competition, but it's come in the last three weeks. So uh, they need to rebook and find out what they're doing here with Malachi Black. If he really wants to leave, if he wants to stay, needs some closure with that. And then finally, the main event, Punk, Moxley. Even if you didn't like what they did two weeks ago, this was still a great main event match. Punk came on with the onslaught at first. Surprises Moxley. Moxley gets hit with the GTS, kicks out at the very beginning. Punk ends up fighting with Moxley in the crowd. Moxley ended up making him bleed. This was a great main event. Punk had to hit three GTSs to get the win and get his second AEW World Heavyweight Championship. He beat him clean. Um, and he didn't have time to celebrate. The lights go out. A voice recording plays of Tony Khan saying, you're screwing the fans over. I'm going to pay you this amount and put you in a joke. I'm going to put you in the casino battle royal as a joker. I'm giving you everything you want, but that's all you're getting because this is the best deal you'll ever get. And the person that was in the mask earlier turns out to be MJF. He just comes out, makes his return after months of vacation, and just says that belt's going home with him. I would have to assume that he's going to cash in at Grand Slam. So Punk may not even have that title for a fucking month. No heel turn here. I was surprised he won clean. So now this this is this. Once again, I'm still interested. I still think it's the worst way ever to get to a main event of your biggest pay per view of the year. Without a doubt, it was the worst fucking way to do it. I will never agree with that. I still like the squash match. Now I'm curious to know where John Moxley goes from here. He had the summer of Moxley. That was not to be expected. Does he just go back to tag team matches now? I don't know. But this was overall fun show. I'm still processing it. Even after I record all this, I'm still processing it. And I don't know what I fully think of it. Um, but I thought overall it was a good show. And to me, the surprise of... Outside of Mandy Rose, where you would find it, the surprise of the weekend was how good the, the AEW World Tag Team title match was. And boy, oh boy, they put the tag team division on notice. The acclaimed and swerving Keefley. So, anyways, that's part two of this week's Monday show. It's been a hell of a fucking week. I'm not going to watch any of Raw on Monday. I am wrestling out for the moment. I'll probably watch it again on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Or watch it on Tuesday and Wednesday or whatever. But, um, hope you guys enjoyed the content. I might actually try to get Henny Wrestling back on just because I feel like I want to know his perspective from this weekend. Um, but we'll see, because you guys really enjoyed that interview. So, anyways, I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. I am the Slow Chemical, and we are out. <laughs>